following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. And at the risk of having my Goodreads list be chastised for what may or may not be in there, I'm back. Your good your Goodreads list? Yeah, you know, the Goodreads app is where you keep your books that you've read Oh, I didn't books know, you might no. like to read. I don't, it's an I don't, app. It's I don't have app. this app. You should check that app out. Is it a popular app? It seems pretty popular. Yeah. So, but but you know, you you dropped a a literary reference last week. That, oh, yes. that whipped by me like a Cam Newton fastball. And I and, I left you out there. I didn't I didn't mention that it's Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide to the Galaxy. I know. I know what it is now. Um, but leave it to our our, our friendly and trusty re- uh, listeners to uh, to call me out on it. So I appreciate it. You know what also is a really good app? The iTunes podcast app and the Stitcher app for iPhone and Android. You can listen to us on there. Uh, Just subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating or on Stitcher. Just search for Hive Talk Live. You can have our episodes, our Tuesday, our Thursday, even our Saturday episodes uploaded automatically to your mobile device of choice. You can listen to us live every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. And with that, we have a lot to talk about, folks, so let's go ahead and swarm Charlotte. Before we talk about MKG, that's the good news. Uh, before, before we get to that good news, we do have to talk a little bit about uh, the injury Let's, the injuries. We got to eat our vegetables. Plural. So we'll roll the injury music and and give you a few updates. We'll start with some good news. Cody Zeller cleared for contact. David, he practiced today. In fact, he he did some contact practice today, and that comes honestly as a little bit of a surprise yeah. because we had really heard zero news on the Cody Zeller front. He is listed as questionable for Wednesday Wednesday's game versus the Cavaliers, so he could play. Uh, Al Jefferson, he has been cleared for non-contact practice. Did some non-contact drills in Los Angeles when they practiced out west. This from Steve Clifford. After practice today, he is listed as out for Wednesday, but we could now be getting some more updates on Jefferson. A possible timetable for his return could be coming soon. We'll keep you uh, abreast of that situation. Other injury notes for Wednesday. Terrible toes continue for Lamb, who's listed as questionable, and Nick Batum, who's listed as doubtful, both with a right toe injury. And Kimball Walker joins the injury list. He's questionable for Wednesday with a sore left knee. He did not practice today, but with, you know, you had two days rest, David. I wouldn't be surprised to see him suit up. That's got to be the the focus to get him to get him right for for that game Wednesday for sure. Yeah, I think so. I I don't. He certainly could not play, but I. I expect him. I expect him to play. Yeah. Right, so if we expect them to play, then you know then he's going to be out. We are certified <laughs> medical trainers. Uh, okay, let's talk about MKG's return off of the injury list. He returns against uh, Portland. 
he plays extremely well against Los Angeles. Yep. What are what are your initial thoughts of MKG's return? Well, I'm excited he'll be in the three point contest during All Star Weekend. <laughs> uh, I think that was an exciting piece of news we glossed over. Yeah. Just kidding. That hasn't been announced yet. But uh, maybe in Charlotte in 2017. Why not? But look, I mean, I'll start with that. No three pointers attempted last year, Doug. No three pointers attempted. We heard rumors of this being added to his arsenal, but. You know, he drops two in that Lakers game, um, which was a nice surprise. But what you really like to see was the old MKG. We talked about this a little bit last week. When he came back, it was going to be at full strength and going full bore. And that's exactly what he saw or what we saw uh, once he got going. You know, once he got his legs up under him and the, the Portland game, you knew he would come out going strong and, and he may – and he may be winded, especially at first, which he was, which is to be expected. But it was great to see him – you know, hit the hit the boards, hit the floor, get up, and and really just be that guy that takes the rebound, goes all the way the length of the floor uh, for a layup or an attempted layup, and so he looked good to me. So we heard Steve Clifford say that he, that MKG, unlike a lot of the situations that we see with Clifford and injured Hornets, MKG would immediately start, and Clifford held to that. But were you surprised by how many minutes? MKG accrued this early. Let's see, in the Portland game, he played 33 minutes. That was his first game back. And then in this Los Angeles game, which they they were out to a big lead by the end of this thing, so he played 27 minutes, but the bench had a lot to say as well. Are you surprised by how many minutes MKG played? I mean, a little bit, but again, you know, he's coming back so soon. You know, the the timetable was much longer than this. So to think that he's coming back, he's got to be um, all the way back. So if he's if that's the case, then the only thing you're worried about is him getting his win back, which is which was a concern and which may be the reason he played a little bit more in that Lakers game just to get him a feel for, you know, playing the games again. But I guess it's a little bit surprising because he's been out for so long and just to, to hit the ground running like that. But but, you know, we thought he would be ready to go from jump and he was. And quite honestly, they need him. And so if right. he can be effective and, and go full bore, they're going to use him. Well, Steve Clifford was asked about this same subject at after practice today. Here's what he had to say. You know, in Portland, uh, I just told him to let me know, you know, when he felt bad. And he got to about six and a half and he asked out. Then you saw in the second half, he got really tired quickly. You know, he made two or three like real effort plays and got tired. But then when he went back in in the fourth, you know, he has uh, he done such a great job with his cardio. Um, so just, you know, to be honest, I was just surprised at how long he was able to play. So Steve Clifford surprised as yeah. well by the number of minutes that MKG played. And there's that word again, David, cardio. It really is one of – if I had to vote three buzzwords for the Hornets, <laughs> it'd be like three-point shooting. That's three words, but – I just used them all. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but cardio, cardio would definitely be one of them because we heard this. It's same, all the rage. I it's mean, all it really the rage is. with the Hornets. And uh, Marvin uh, cited cardio as part of his resurgence. Yogging. <laughs> it was a big, big part of Getting his offseason. Getting a lot play. of, yeah, a little track time has never hurt anyone. It's, it's certainly not hurting the Hornets. But that, that, that's a, a, a um, I mean, that, that's a good thing to see. And, and it's a, it's good on MKG. It's good on the training staff. You know that he was that ready to go. It doesn't matter how prepared you are if you haven't played that long and you get back in the NBA game. You know, like I said, you're going to be winded, especially to start. And he was, but after that, you know, he was fine, especially in that Lakers game. And look, 
The Lakers are not very good. And so That's not breaking news. <laughs> that is, don't hit the drop on that one. That no. is not breaking news. But it was the perfect timing for MKG to come back against that squad at the end of that road trip to see what he can do. Let me just can I just read the stat lines for both of these games because it just it would make me happy to read them and I know it would make our listeners happy to hear them. Let's do it. All right, 5 of 8 from the field. This is the Portland game. 5 of 8 from the field, 13 points, 7 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 turnovers. Again, his first game back, 33 minutes. In almost 28 minutes played in the Lakers game. Oh, this is the good one, folks. 19 points on 6 of 7 shooting. 2 of 2 from beyond the arc, 5 of 8 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds, double-double, 3 assists, 1 steal. I mean, incredible. You can't, you can't ask for any more. And, and beyond the numbers, David, the impact was immediately recognizable to anyone who has watched this team play defense. To rebound. Anyone, rebound, I mean, get into transition. Uh, there, there, were, there was a, a minute 30 stretch there where MKG... Uh, knocked the ball out of out of a Lakers hands down underneath, got into transition, got back on defense and disrupted a Lakers transition bucket, and and just generally did everything that you need a player to do on a basketball court, and he extended that over you know the 28 minutes they played against Los Angeles. He virtually shut Kobe Bryant down during that first defensive stretch that he had at the beginning of the game. He is, as Clifford has said, he really is everything this Hornets team has been missing all in one player. Yeah, and it was so big to get him back, especially with the guys you've got coming in this week and for over the next week and a half or so uh, into Charlotte to play the Hornets. He's going to be called upon a lot. And he's, I mean, look, he's a cornerstone of this franchise and this plan. So they all knew how important it was. Such a huge hit at the beginning of the year to not have him at all, and then to have him come back, and then to have him start in threes. It's like how much good thing, yeah, how much good almost, can we get? It's almost too much to handle. Yeah. The the three point shots were simply him getting into the corner and sensing an opportunity. Yeah, you you either had I think you had Marvin driving on one, and then passed it to Spencer. Spencer came across the lane. Kobe dug down almost in the restricted area, leaving. I mean, no one's going to guard him, or they weren't no, for Swag- good reason. Yeah, Swaggy P was the guy guarding him on the second, and and he hit threes from both sides of the court. And I thought the shots looked good. See, the thing about MKG's new shot, the way he holds the ball and the way his elbows are positioned are somewhat similar to the way he used to shoot, yep. but he's releasing it quicker. His feet are set. It's one motion. It's one motion. And the only thing I'm concerned about, though, David, and I'm sure he's continuing to work on this, we know he's a gym rat day after day, is that those both of those three-pointers took a long time to set up, right? And so he's going to have to be very, very wide open, at least in the short term, the rest of this That's season true. probably, to hit these shots. He When he caught the ball... On both of these shots, you can tell I've watched these over and over. <laughs> again, again. I've obsessively studied the tape here. But he, he catches the ball and he drags that. He almost drags that right foot uh, all the way over. So he's, you know, he's taking a long time to get his feet set. It's similar to what Frank is dealing with, I think, with his three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Is the setup is taking a long time. So he's going to go through this, I think, the same thing that Frank is going through where – He's going to get some wide open threes, 
and then he's going to have to selectively choose whether to pump fake and try to open up for a drive. And we saw hey. him finish plenty of those over these past two games. And that's what I that's what I'd like to talk about next. MKG MKG's impact on easy offense. It's something this Hornets team, I think, has been missing. Yeah, if he is a threat at all to hit that three, it changes so many things for the Hornets because, like last year and in these first two games, no one is going, no one is leaving the paint or leaving anywhere close to the paint to get out on MKG for a three point shot. So if they have to think about that, you know, if they have to make another move to get out there, just creates a little more space. I mean, if he can drive by somebody, you know that's great. Uh, if if the threat is there, it's 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 a step in the right direction. Well, you know who I think is probably more relieved than anyone is thinking about in terms of this situation and and MKG's development as a three point shooter. I think it's Al Jefferson. Oh yeah, because there's. I was listening to the 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 BS the the Bill Simmons podcast, and he had Tom Thibodeau on, and they talked about a subject that's widely talked about in the NBA these days, and that's that it's really tough to hide two guys in a lineup that can't shoot the three. Right. And so if you have this situation where how do you play Al Jefferson and MKG at the same time if MKG can't shoot the three? So I think if you're Al Jefferson, this poses a late-season opportunity if MKG can make any kind of living. And he's not going to be perfect from the field every game. <laughs> but if he can make any kind of impact as a three-point shooter – that opens things up for Al Jefferson to re-enter the starting lineup. Yeah, he's gonna have to take. He's gonna have to keep taking them. First of all, and he's gonna have to make his fair share enough, you know, over these next couple games for people to really honor that. Um, you know, I don't. But know. you don't want. I don't think you want that to happen. I think if he attempts one or two a game. That's yeah. okay. Sure, you, you don't want him attempting four of these bad no, boys. No, but they're wide. Night. Those are wide open. You know, take them early. Uh, put he's up confident. A few. Confidence <laughs> yeah. in the shot. I mean, that's the big thing, right, David? We've talked about it over and over with his shot. Is the structure may not be what the prototypical shot is supposed to look like, but his belief in the shot, and we've seen unorthodox shooting before, sure. but his shot is confident at this point. When he fired up that three, there was no hesitation. No, I mean, and a guy we've talked about this year in that same vein who shows no confidence is Cody Zeller. Uh, extending out to that three-point yep. line. I mean, not to chastise him anymore, but you know, we thought that was going to be added, and and it hasn't been. And you can see it. He's not even looking for it, and and that affects you know that affects how people defend you. So for MKG to add that to his game, like you said, it's not going to be. He's not all of a sudden going to turn into Steph Curry or 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 name your warrior, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but but like a warrior anyway. Yeah, but if he is a threat, if he's out there hitting a few, even once every couple games. It's 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 a huge boost. Going to Twitter here, uh, a writer for At the Hive, Russell Varner, tweeting us uh, our question: What have uh, what has MKG added that the Hornets have been missing? And Russell getting the, getting his snark on here. He says, besides just about everything the team had been missing, and that's really, I mean, that's really the point that MKG brings not only things that are stuffing the stat sheet: nineteen points, twelve rebounds three assists but he's bringing energy energy he's bringing uh confidence he's bringing and i think this is an underrated thing that i haven't heard many people talking about but he adds this element to the hornets offense where you can have two guys who can attack the basket on the court at all times so when 
when they're not playing, and it's especially important while Batum is out, because you can play, you don't have to play Kimba and Lynn together so often to have two attackers. You can play Kimba Lynn, you can play Kimba MKG, you can play Lynn MKG, and you have two threats going towards the basket at all times, and you've got two players who can run the break. I mean, we we criticize right. Mean. I mean, we criticize this team a lot for not running in transition, but a lot of it is that they haven't had the players, the personnel, healthy enough. I mean, it, it takes two or three guys to run the break. There there aren't a lot of one man fast break players in the NBA. MKG, you could put him in that category. Yeah, but it's nice to have Kimba and MKG running the break once more. Yeah, it's so good to see him. He again, that's what you miss. He can grab the rebound and and his his effect on the boards, especially in that Lakers game was was so obvious. I mean, he was just battling in there even even against taller guys, even when he is undersized, and that's going to help everyone rebound when he's throwing his body around in there as well. And this to see him take he he control, you know, he's gotten so much better at controlling his body on offense and using it mm-hmm. against the defender. So mm-hmm. he knows when that guy's off balance and he knows when he can accelerate into that guy to create contact. And he's such a good finisher at the rim. He's a great finisher. And, you know, just thinking about the injury, he's hit the floor several times. Yeah. He looks to be okay. You know, it, it, we all hold our breath when he does that. But that's how he plays. I think that's another aspect you can talk about with a three-point shooting is that if he does develop that shot, that will present more opportunities where he's not doing that. And just playing the percentages, it it might, you know, this is all – the injuries are so random and chaos theory-induced anyway. So And he, 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 he doesn't even have his legs under him yet. I mean, really. I mean, he's not – from an explosive right, standpoint, right. you know. No, it's a great point. All right, let's talk about this road trip. The Hornets finish the road trip 2-2, two and two, and they finish. We knew January was going to be tough, David. They finished January 6-11. and 11. In my mind, that's not that bad. With how it started. With I how mean, it started, the injuries, the travel, it, it just 6-11. and 11, I looked at that today, not knowing before I looked at the stat, I, I thought, that's okay. Because they went 7-7 seven and seven in uh, December. They had a hot 10-5 and five November. We knew January was going to be tough. We know that uh, February has a lot of home games and not a, not a lot of games because of the All-Star break, obviously. Yeah, but they start – I mean, they didn't win until the second week of January, until January 13th. So, you know, they were behind the eight ball there, but then they finished out the rest of the month in, in pretty good shape, had that little three-game uh, winning streak, and then, uh, you know, split the road trip, which last week we said three and two – or, I'm sorry, three and one on this road trip would have been fantastic. But really what you want to do when you got on those road trips is, is come back 500, which is what they did. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, I look ahead to March and April, and I see a lot of winnable games. And so I think when we're in that situation, if the Hornets are healthy and they can make a run, then you look back at January and those six victories and you look at a victory like Sacramento where they laid it all out on the line to get that victory. And those could prove, you know, more crucial in March and April than maybe we thought it was uh, in January. So I I looked a little, uh, uh, or I looked at a few of the stats in January. Defensive rating 105.2 versus 101 in December and 99 in November. So the Hornets still have a lot to work, a lot of work to do on the defensive end. The offense has still been good. It's still been over 100, and that's nothing to to bat an eye at. I mean, the Bobcats 
almost never had an offensive rating above 100. The shooting and the free throw shooting were down, but three-point shooting stayed the same. Rebounding slightly down, but opponent's second chance points actually went down versus November and December. So even though the rebounding struggled, they prevented some of those second chance points that will hurt you uh, in those games. And here's the most interesting stat I have for you, David. The points in the paint were down more than two points over December and four points over that really hot November start. And to me, the causes are obvious. You had injuries to Batum, MKG, and Al Jefferson that led to obviously less defense, but less obvious, it led to a lot less easy offense. Yeah. And MKG's return highlights that. There were so many easy buckets that I saw in that Lakers game and in the Portland game, even though they got smacked in Portland. There were so many more easy buckets that I thought, oh, I haven't seen that in a while, or you don't see that as consistently. You really only saw that out of Lynn and Kimba. Right. Yeah, and right now they sit in still in ninth place. I believe they were ninth uh, this time last week as well. But the bottom of the East well. is, is fading away. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're, they're two games right now out of that eighth spot behind Indiana. You've really got Boston at uh, nine games back, Detroit at ten games back, Indiana sits ten and a half, and then you have Charlotte at twelve and a half. So it's no surprise. I mean, this is how it was going to be from the beginning of the season. It's going to be a dogfight for those last probably three spots, you'd think. So, um, you know, obviously every win is important. Getting back home is big, but this is going to be a, a tough stretch of games, especially with all the injuries. It's just like if you could just get a few of these guys back and and to stay back, you know. I mean, Batum, for one, is one guy we had talked about, came back, did not play well in Portland, um, was still hurt, I think, obviously, because he did not played yet. You know what that sound means, David? It means that I, I still have not gotten intro music for Inside the Locker Room with Justin Thomas. We've been so busy prepping for uh, these Thursday shows brought to you by ESPN 730 that I still haven't had time to get that intro music, but we, we are still happy to have Justin in. Justin, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm, I'm all smiles on my hand. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great, my friend, and you've brought us a, another tasty piece of audio, this time from Steve Clifford after practice today. Let's take a listen. I know this. You don't get. You don't all of a sudden play an important game and say we have to play a great game. You play your game. You build a game, and then you play that game. Same in the playoffs. You never start saying we have to play a great game. Play the game that you're going to play all year. All right, Justin. That was Steve Clifford after practice talking about you have to play your game. What do you take from that? Actually, so I don't. I don't know what the Hornets have been doing lately. Um, I, I don't even. I don't know. Like if you like, um, if you would like, say you listen further off to that clip, um, a guy ends up asking Clifford, like, you know, your your team has has you know been battling injuries, but yeah, you guys are, are two games out of eighth. And, and Clifford goes on to talk about you know that he felt like his team has just played well with his uh the seventeen games and thirty one nights. So, you know, I said Clifford for his word, and I went back and I did some thinking of myself. And since the start of the new year, the Hornets are 6-17. and 17. Their one quality win came against the Atlanta Hawks, and the Hawks came off a back-to-back and a blowout win. And after that win, Clifford, you know, wasn't too, wasn't too high about that because he knew he played a, a tired team. 
when I when I watch the Hornets, the Hornets just haven't been any good. Um, they haven't beat any quality teams, and the bad teams that you think they would handle, they struggle with those. Um, granted, injuries have played a part. Um, you know, everybody knows that, but you have to do with what you have on the floor and the product that's been on the floor. Injury ridden has not been any good. So, what would you got to say about that? Well, I, I think I think you can't discount the injuries, and I think that you know the team has, in, in some stretches, certainly uh, not played as hard as they could, or, or not, or not really not played as hard as they could, but just you know didn't play with that sense of purpose or that sense of togetherness. You know, I mean, the offense and the defense alike. Uh, but I, I think that again, we we talked about it before this segment. I mean, six wins in, in a really tough January on the road constantly. Yeah, I think this uh, team pulled it together, and I think that this clip highlights for me what makes Clifford such an impactful coach, and that's his sense of stability. Like, they're going to play their style of basketball regardless of the injuries, you know, regardless of how they played in the previous game or even how they played a team the last time they played them. I mean, they're, they, they have what they think is a winning style of basketball, and they're going to go out there and try to execute that to the best of their ability. Yeah, I think, you know, Justin, you're right. I mean, you look at those teams they lost to, and they're a notch below those. You know, they're a notch below the Thunders, uh, the Warriors, the Raptors, teams like that. And in those games they're playing against, you know, teams that are probably even with them, the Knicks, the Magic, Kings – you throw the Jazz in there, they tend to be splitting them. But January was so disjointed with the road trip, all the injuries. And, look, those are factors that every team is going to have to deal with. And, you know, quite frankly, like you said, they didn't handle a lot of that well. But you got to be at least a little bit encouraged. Obviously, one by MKG coming back. Hopefully, you can get some of these other guys back. And they did finish that last road trip, um, you know, going 500. You could argue – uh, that they should have been a little better than that, given the competition. But you know, I think they're looking for that stability. And to Doug's point, you know, Clifford may be trying to create some of that just by the way he goes about and approaches things, because that's been his biggest frustration from what I've seen is when they go out there, they don't commit on the defensive end, they they don't play like he envisions them playing on a night in night out basis, and then that's when they slip up. So that's been something he's trying to pound in their heads over the last you know year or since he's been here. Um, so they've got a, they've got plenty of opportunities coming up starting tomorrow night with serious competition, and that's I think the frustration for you know like Justin said frustration for Hornets fans watching this is you want to see them challenge some of these upper echelon teams, uh, the Cavs certainly the freaking Heat, um, <laughs> freaking Heat. <laughs> um, you know they've had some success against the Wizards and the Bulls, which hopefully they can use coming up here but that's the next step for this team especially if they want to be you know playoff contenders again yeah justin did you uh peek through the curtains and see any other injured hornets practicing we did an injury update and talked about zeller getting contact practices in any other uh injury news for us give us some good news are the hornets finally going to get healthy here justin um you know what um, I, we, I feel like we've all agreed uh, when health is there, good basketball team. And I feel like they're turning this uh, for that direction. Al Jefferson um, did do some non-contact work today. Um, he's been working on non-contact drills since L.A. 
Kimba didn't play today. That's just from right knee soreness. That's nothing of, of major concern. But Jeremy Lamb did practice. Oh, there that you go. Was that was great. something we didn't have in the injury update, getting that there from yes. Justin, that Jeremy um, Lamb that did great. practice. Okay, good, good, good. Now, now sadly, it, though you did get a little bit of good news, Nick Batum did not practice. Um, as, as practice was over, I stayed to, to just watch him and, and see his body language. And he was doing some shooting drills, and he was moving well, and even hitting shots. But, I mean, you could just look in his face and there would be maybe every four or five shot attempts. You could see the look on his face and see him grimace, and, and you know that that, that toe is, is, is really bothering him. He can, you know, as, as a competitor, he's going to try to play. But, you know, you're, you wait for your team to get healthy. And I don't, you know, one thing I can say is I don't think the Hornets will throw him out there and, and, and try to worsen that toe injury. But I can tell you, um, watching him today for about 15, 15 minutes after practice, that toe is definitely bothering. And, Justin, what do you think about this? I mean, I, w- watching him in that Portland game, which he did not play well, and then he didn't play against the Lakers, and then all that information that you just told us today, it, that thing is not healed up. I mean, I'm almost to the point of saying, hey, get him to the All-Star break, let him sit. You know, if he didn't show any signs of getting better before then, just let him take this next couple of weeks off because they're going to need him when, when he comes back to make a run at the playoffs. I agree with that. And, and what's scary is I feel like this month will, will really give you an insight on this basketball team. They played 10 games this month, and seven of them, seven of them are against playoff teams. Their three easiest opponents are Milwaukee, the – uh, Washington and Brooklyn, like those are the only gimme games they get. And the one guy that they need is they need Nick Batum. So I feel like if they could just possibly figure out a way to to steal a few games somewhere in this ten game month and, and get him and get him to the All Star break, that would be great. Because one thing the Clifford always says is, you know, when I when you watch Nick Batum play is. What what jumps out is he makes the right play. Everything makes sense. And when and you when you've watched Nick over the last week or so, there have been some things that you watch him do and you say, ah, that's that's not really that's not Nick Batum right there. And and watching that, I said, I I know that that toe is serious. And and toe injuries, you know, they can go on, they can linger and they hurt. <laughs> I mean, they they hurt. That it's, it's not an enjoyable injury to go through. So I agree with hundred percent that they can just you know, get him to the all-star break and still stay afloat and be able to, you know, take a stab at it by March 1st. I believe March 1st is the day the entire roster needs to be healthy. And you know that, you know, that nobody's going to run away with those bottom seeds. So I do agree. If they can find a way to get the tomb healthy and March 1st be ready to make a run, I think that's the most important thing they can do from here on out. Justin Thomas, he covers the team for ESPN 730. He joins us every Tuesday for Inside the Locker Room, and he'll be back in studio on Thursday for Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 730. And we will be talking about uh, this Cavaliers game. We'll, We'll have all the analysis from that game and much, much more. Thank you, Justin. Enjoy the rest of your evening, my friend. Oh, you're welcome, and uh, I like listening to you guys whenever I can, you know, sneak in for the first, you know, three to five minutes. So you guys are doing good work, and uh, thank you for having me on as always. <laughs> All righty, Justin. Yeah, he, you know, I, I like that Justin still compliments us. He's, he's you're part of the team, Justin. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, you, <laughs> he's family now. You're family now. That's all right. Uh, but it's still, it's always nice to hear 
uh, kind words from Justin. Hey, Doug, I want to get your thoughts on this, yes. specifically on the Batum issue, because after the must have been the Portland game, I was getting some some flack from folks saying, "Not you." Know, you. <laughs> I know I'm so polite and nice, but to say, "Hey, I'm done with Al. I'm done with Batum. We don't need to risk." signing either one of them at this point which i thought was insane oh people were telling you that yeah yeah i mean for one batum is obviously hurt but but how is that a look look, here's the thing about the toe injury david is that it's it's an injury that that certainly lingers the problem with the toe injury is that you can get the toe back to what you feel like is 100 percent. you can go out there and run jump jump and shoot and feel great and then someone steps on it and it re-aggravates it and sets it on fire again, and that's yeah. what's been happening to Batum. It's not he's not going out there feeling fifty percent and and then giving it a go and not playing well. He he goes out there and, and someone trips on his foot, which that's the thing about the toe injury. That happens all the time. Right. Guys step on each other's feet, guys get tangled up, and Batum loves to like come off of screens where he's really close to guys. He loves to drive the basketball. And so that's what I think you're seeing with the toe injury. And there's a second aspect of this, too, and we go back to the MKG and the bite that we played from Steve Clifford. He trusts his players, and maybe to a fault, where he's going to, if Nick Batum comes to him and says, Coach, I can go out there and give it a go, he's not the kind of coach that is going to play with extreme caution and say, no, you know, we want you at 100%. I don't think you're 100%. I think he's just one of these guys that trust his players yeah like you said with mkg he was looking for him to tell him right how he was doing and and i think you know nick and all players really want if they feel anywhere close to 100 percent, they want to give it a go and i just think the toe injury is a weird thing because it's not like a shoulder injury or a knee injury where it really has to be 100 percent before you can do all of the things that you want to do it's an injury that you can probably play with at less than 100% until somebody steps on it, and then it feels like you're going to die if you take one more step. Yeah, I guess my thing was I think he's still priority one at this point offseason-wise. Yeah, Yeah, I kind of got off off track from your thing. But, yes, I I totally agree with you. I think he has to be because, and we'll talk about this in in our one last thing, but when you look across the free agency landscape and you look at – you try to target some guys who – a, the Hornets could afford. Right. B, that fit with this scheme and fit with the other players. That want to come and here. And C, that's the final thing, <laughs> that would want to come here. And you're left with a pretty short list. I mean, you don't have to wheel that list out in a wheelbarrow. Um, but, yeah, you've got him here. You've been trying to get him, that yeah. guy here, for, yeah. what, five years, four years? Easy, yeah. So, you know, don't throw away all the good things that happened at the beginning of the year he was in the all-star consideration, you know, until things got really bad. So the first quarter of the year, um, yeah, you just you got to ride this out. You got to let him get helpful, healthy, and then uh, get back to if playing. If he gets the way healthy, he, he will be helpful. And 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 again, True. here's the here's the thing: we haven't seen Nick Batum play with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. That's the uh. big. It's a question mark, but it's a it's the most beautiful question mark I've ever seen because I really think that these two guys. 
it can be devastating on a basketball court. That's what they've been trying to do since they brought Lance in. So that, anyone that comments about anything in terms of Nick Batum and not wanting him here, I or even somebody that says he's an automatic re-sign, I would say, hold on, let's see how he plays with MKG. Yeah. Because yeah. MKG is already on the team. He's already re-signed. So, you know, we need to see how this is going to work before we make any kind of assumptions. Yeah. But the safest assumption is to say, hey, Nick Batum, he's he's an all-star caliber player, and he played like at the first few months of the season. This is a guy that, that Charlotte probably wants to yep. have around. Yep. I so, yeah, so. that's that's an easy one. Let's talk about Frank Kaminsky. Why not? Uh, I, I saw some stats, and I'll, I'll give this um, – I didn't originally come up with this idea. Uh, Nathan Connolly from the call-up on WFNZ tweeted a stat about Frank's three-point shooting. It has fallen off. Uh, His uh, 30% shooting from three in January was down nearly two percentage points from December and almost 10 percentage points from November. Now he's playing more minutes in December and January, roughly 25 he was playing about 15 minutes in November as the Hornets tried to figure out where he fit into the roster. So he's he's attempting more three-pointers, but it is trending down. And so the question is, David, is Frank Kaminsky hitting that rookie wall with his performances as of late? Yeah, I think that's probably certainly a possibility because – Right before the All Star break, you know, most of these rookies are 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 pining for that week and a half or weekend or you know a couple of days off. So I think that's probably some of it. And his minutes, as you said, have ticked up, um, and his and his shot has fallen off a little bit. Um, I think overall he's been nice, as we've talked about him. You know, throughout this season, he's been a nice surprise and and played pretty well for the Hornets. But yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, hitting that rookie wall is somewhat inevitable. And um, running up and down as much as he does, even for a four-year college player, I mean, it's it's a lot of games. I I think certainly the rookie wall is a real thing. What I, what I find interesting about his wall, because I think he is hitting it with his three-point shooting, mm-hmm. and and we've seen some hesitation in his three-point shooting that I thought would eventually start to chip away at his percentages. So so I think that's a factor. I think he needs next year to to really start to get in a groove with do I lift this shot because you don't even see that with those MKG threes like he did not hesitate at all mm-hmm. and I think that just comes from repetitions and from knowing how fast a player can close so that will get better I think next season but I think his wall is interesting because he's actually getting better in a few key areas one of those being offensive rebounding uh, he's doing better on, on the boards, and that he, I think he's up nearly five percent or uh, five tenths of, of a percent. He's getting one point two offensive rebounds per game. David, he's also navigating the interior a lot better. So that's yeah. why I say it's interesting. Like he's falling off in terms of his shooting, but he's getting a lot savvier when it comes to getting down in the paint. And and Clifford made a point to get him more opportunities there, and I think he's seeing more success. His percentage of points in the paint has gone up. Are you ready for this, David? Gone up from 37% of his points in the paint to 53.6. And he's playing nearly the same number of minutes, uh, January versus December. So he's getting more touches. And in my mind, just the eyeball test, I mean, he's doing a lot more. He's mobile down there. He's beating guys with quickness. And he's beating guys with with a series of moves. It's something we saw in in, uh, the summer league. And we were wondering, and we... We thought about it, and 
we questioned, would that translate when he played NBA-level talent? And it looks preliminarily like it is. Yeah, and that his ability to finish was something that was a bit of a red flag in summer league. And and early on, um, you know, he was just missing some of those chippies. But but we both felt that the shots were there. He was there. It was just a matter and of, the of getting comfortable. Come. Yeah, yeah, the and, touch and would it come. looks like it has. And it, yeah, it looks like it has. And and what I do like about what we're still seeing from him, once he goes to the basket, he is going aggressive with those moves. Like you said on offense, there is a little bit of hesitation in those threes. It does look like he has those shots that he was making maybe a month ago, and he's not pulling the trigger quite as quickly as he is now. Or as he, you know, now as as he was. So, um, but you suit you do still like what he's doing on the inside. He is making some nice professional NBA moves, you know. And to see that out of your seven foot rookie is is good. I mean, he's he's being an impactful player, even though he's maybe not putting up twenty points a night. Well, and and the, so his issue obviously is strength is bulk. You know, he's going to have to get stronger, and so he's not a guy who can barrel through the lane and finish through contact, and so. He's adapted and is using a variety of moves, a variety of fakes to get a- enough room to where the contact that the defender puts on him comes too late and sort of pushes him. Because th- the struggle with guys like him are getting pushed away from the basket or getting knocked off your path. But from what I'm seeing, he's getting ahead of his defender and getting pushed towards the basket where it's much easier for him to finish. Yeah. And look, we're almost 50 games in. That's. For a guy, yeah, for, I mean, for a college guy, you know, that's used to four that's years. That's the wall. That when we talk yeah. about the wall, that's what we mean. The point at which, or the point in the NBA season where you've you're already over your college maximum number of games. Yeah, and they certainly come in the. Really, it's it's not even a fair comparison because in the NBA you're playing back to backs, which you don't do. You don't do in college. Yeah, you, except for rare, you know, tournament one-offs I guess right but you know you get that day of rest at least in college and and maybe more so the wall actually should come you know yeah I mean typically what two games a week is the norm about in college but yeah so it's, it's a lot more games a lot more closer together so probably a little bit of the rookie wall there for Frank he'll be glad for that all-star break yeah for sure and not in the rookie rising stars challenge we might want to mention that that's true. We talked was, uh, we talked about this on Thursday. It's interesting because the way they broke it up starting last season. Yeah, I don't it's, hate it. It's but... USA versus international, and so you're combining those USA rookie sophomores and more sophomores. There's hardly any rookies. <laughs> There's three rookies, the top three picks, Okafor, Russell, and Cat. And no Winslow, which I you know was another big. Uh... I just think, look, I think they thought we're going to pick, maybe they just thought we're going to pick three rookies. and. You take the top, and, and and to be fair, I mean those three rookies have really set themselves apart yeah, for from sure. all of the other rookies. For sure, so got to be fair to the big cat. But Frank's played. The thing is, has he played? You know, top seven, top ten rookies. I don't know, but I think he's played. I think he's done exactly what he has been told to do oh, yeah. in, in this scheme, and I think he's been successful at it. And if you're talking about someone that really I think is rated as maybe could be a good player long term, you know, 10 years, 12 year NBA player type of guy, and that's what you want to see. I mean, you don't the danger is he he comes out and plays, you know, 30 plus minutes and looks like a bust, but I would much rather have a guy who plays 25 minutes and does 
occasional special things that you think, man, if he puts the body with that skill. Yeah, the all-star stuff is fun. I mean, I think Cody made that. I think Cody and Kemba made that game when it was the previous format. So so then you get like 10 rookies. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it's not a big deal. I think you're right, though. You're more concerned with what but he's he'll be. You. But here's the thing. He'll be a sophomore next season. The all-star game will be in Charlotte. So he almost certainly will be oh, in yeah, that game. Yeah. And that's the thing with Kemba and, and maybe some ex three point shooter who who you know because you always see this the home team always gets a little bit of a Troy Daniels a little bit of a boost who knows I mean you always get a little bit of a boost we're gonna let's go ahead and scout next year's <laughs> All Star game <laughs> why not why not all right let's talk about the week ahead and we've already touched on this a little bit it's a four game homestand coming up for the Hornets they'll play Cleveland on Wednesday. And then they have a Friday, Saturday back to back against the Heat and then the Wizards, and then Monday against the Bulls. And you've already talked about this, David. You mentioned this that when when we look at the Heat, the Wizards, and the Bulls, uh, those are three. Well, the Heat and the Bulls are top five in the East. Cleveland's top five in the East. The Wizards, not so much. But the Hornets have proven when they were healthy that they could beat these three teams. And I think that goes the Heat, the Wizards, and the Bulls. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah, they have to feel good about that. That Cleveland game is the one that's and it's it's all because of LeBron. I mean, you know, that's that's the big sticking point. That's going to be a tough game, especially when you're not at full strength. But those other three games, you know, they have had success against those teams, so they have to feel good about that playing at home. Um you would think that the sense of urgency will not be a problem uh during this home stand. No, and I think when we talk about the Cleveland game, and, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves when we look forward to the Heat, the Wizards, and the Bulls, especially because this injury news is updating you know, day-to-day. But just looking at this Cleveland game, the, Cleveland obviously making a lot of headlines right now, trying to basically learn to walk again as a team after firing uh, their coach, David Blatt, and now uh, Teron Liu, the, the new coach. They're running a lot more. They're getting Kevin Love much more involved in the offense than he really has been all season. He's not just standing in the corner anymore. They're getting him post touches. They're getting him isolation touches where he can go to work. So the big matchup is going to be Kevin Love and Marvin Williams. Can Marvin Williams successfully uh, keep this guy? Really, I mean, you gotta you got to guard him. At the three-point line, but Everywhere. you also you also have to keep him out of the paint. I mean, that's what makes him such a, a difficult guard. But you have to come at him like the Tasmanian Devil and and really try to disrupt him early and keep him from getting into a groove. I think that's going to be the key matchup in my mind. Yeah, and he's now in these post-game Instagram pictures, so. You know, that's it. That's I the mean, sign. That's once you're a, once you're in the post game Instagram, you're, in, you're, you're part in of the, the club. Team. You're finally you were invited to <laughs> post game snack time. You got a cupcake. <laughs> LeBron handed it to you. They hazed him for a year and a half. They ran his underwear <laughs> up the pole, and now uh, he's finally passed the test. Kev, I mean, it's no, it's been tough for Kevin Love, but again, I think it's. It's concerted effort type of stuff to feel, and I think that everyone wants to feel a part of the team if they play on it, and especially when you have the talent level that Kevin Love has. Yeah, I mean, you want to feel like not not only do you want to feel like you're a part of the team in post game pictures. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, but you want to feel like 
you have a specific role to play on offense because we know he's not. We know he doesn't have a specific role on defense. Right. But you want to know that you have a specific role on offense, and that the other stars in the team are going to find you in those positions. Yeah, and it may come down to more being on on Kyrie's shoulders for that type of thing. Um, certainly, there's yeah. just you know what I mean. Like he's a point guard, so right. he between he and LeBron, obviously. Um, they got to figure that out. So, you know, maybe they're on their way to doing that. But well, it's been a team thing because, again, I say they've they've gotten him more isolation looks, and that requires everyone to clear out. And they've, you know, run some stuff with Shumpert along the the baseline, uh, coming off screens to then direct attention away from Kevin Love. So they've done some different things because this is the thing: his usage rate hasn't really come down all that much, but his field goals attempted have gone up and his turnovers have gone way down and when I look at those stats without having you know done a deep tape dive into the Cavaliers basketball that tells me they're getting him the ball where he wants it where he's most comfortable and letting him go to work and so he's not turning the ball over as much and that's that's dangerous so if you're the Hornets you got to find a way to get one or two guys over there and and not let him get those isolation looks now, that opens up other things. That opens up yeah. LeBron. That opens up Kyrie threes. That opens up J.R. Smith. But I think if you're the Hornets, you have to take those risks because Kevin Kevin Love's success has equated to the Cavaliers getting back on track and playing like an elite team. Yeah. So if you want to take away one cog, take away Kevin Love. It's tough out there for the number one team in the East. <laughs> Yeah, it's the thing. You're playing the number one team in the East. So you you go out there and really you you just go out and try to be a disruptive force because this team will turn the ball over. This team doesn't get back into transition defense very at an elite level. Not they don't they're not a bad transition defense team by any stretch of the imagination, but they love to play half court defense. Yeah. So and there are penetration points on their defense. Kyrie Irving, Kimba Walker, I give the advantage to Kimba Walker nine times out of ten. He's going to be crucial in this game. If he doesn't play this game, it's an automatic L in my mind. Yeah, that's going to be tough, which is why he's going to play. <laughs> I mean, exactly. That, that, yeah, okay. All right, we got that out of the way. So, um, you know, conclusion time for this preview, this recap. The Hornets, in my mind, survived January. It was survival. They survived. They have to overachieve in February. And by that, I mean, I think they have to go at least 500 or above in February because they have a lot of beatable teams in March and April. The runs are there. The opportunities to make a run to the playoffs are there in March and April. To me, February is setup time. They got to hold their ground. February, get everybody back healthy. Ten games in February, as Justin mentioned, four of them at home. The four coming up. You mentioned Milwaukee is beatable. I just want to disagree with my friend Justin there. Milwaukee poses all kinds of issues for the Hornets. Well, he counted no, he counted Milwaukee and Washington. Washington, you know, maybe, maybe you can. Well, they have that any given. Well, Washington has that any given night because they have John Wall. When you have a superstar of his talent, man, you look down there. It's surprising. (laughs) How, How is there not a hot seat in Washington right now? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think that Whitman. Well, they've they've had injuries too. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's Still. an interesting thing. I I don't I don't think that that not, orga- not, not that I'm calling for a hot seat. It's just I don't know if that organization has ever really easily blamed 
the coach. I could be completely wrong. I just don't. I, I've never thought of Washington as a, as a team that's like, okay, we're immediately going to eject mm-hmm. the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've just, you know, and but they also haven't really reached the highest. They've never reached those no. highest highs, so it's a little easier. Yeah. So so the first four at home, the last six on the road. So they'll split the All Star break with a road trip. There you go. All right, no Nick Denning for Nick's picks this week, but he did submit his picks last week. David, you pulled the clean sweep. Uh, for those who are just uh, listening to us, if, if you've never heard the the NBA pick segment, we pick a Hornets lock, a league pass special, and a national TV special uh, to get you ready for the NBA week ahead. And last week, David, you had the clean sweep. I think that's the first three and O performance by any of us. Is it really all year? I don't think any of us have gone three and O or zero and three. So you get the first honors there. Nick went one and two. I went two and one. If I had just gone with that Lakers game, I had to be. <laughs> I had to pick the. That Portland was right. Game. That was your game. I mean, that was. That's right. I really your... thought. I just really thought it was it was you, going to be the really Hornets' night. Well, listen, I mean, Damian Lillard, and we didn't talk a lot about that game for good reason. But uh, uh, listen, Lillard and McCollum have put it to. It's amazing what that's Portland a good is doing. It's amazing, and I gave Portland plenty of props in that show too. So I'm not too ashamed. And the, and the Damian Lillard snub came out of snub too, but Lillard seems to get snubbed left and right for the USA team, uh, the all-star team. And he always comes out and he didn't have a huge night though. I mean, it was just not a great game from Charlotte. No, well, it was a combination. That's, that's the thing that Lillard and McCollum have been able to do is put a combination of performances together. That's just enough to beat yeah. the team in front of them that night. All right, David, you stand at 18 and 9 on the season. Nick is two games back of you at 16 and 11 and I am I'm making my run. I'm 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 doing the same thing that the Hornets are preparing to do right now, making the run. I'm 15 and 12. We'll start with Nick since he's not here. His Hornets lock is Saturday versus Washington. His league pass special Tuesday night, that's tonight. <laughs> Raptors versus Suns. He's taking the Toronto Raptors and the national TV game Oklahoma City Thunder at Golden State. That's the national TV game of the week by far. I mean, that's a must-watch game on Saturday. He's unsurprisingly taking the Golden State Warriors, although I I, I don't know. I, I think – Yeah, I know you're saying. I, I think I think Oklahoma City, they, they feel a little slighted, and when Russell Westbrook feels slighted, bad things can happen. And now you have the Durant to, to Golden State talk. It's just <laughs> always fun. Right. <laughs> want to put that – you know, I think that Oklahoma City fans really want to see that put to bed. So, Oof. yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of different storylines going on right now. All right, my picks, Hornets lock Friday versus Miami. I just think for some mm. reason – we don't know if Hassan's going to play. And and even if he does, the, the Miami seems to play better without him. Goran Dragic is back for this game, so they, they won't have to uh, – they don't have that advantage against Tyler Johnson. But I just think – that this team, for some reason, if the three-point shooting is on, the Hornets match up well against Miami. Uh, and then, of course, they, they blew them out in Charlotte. Uh, how many weeks ago was that? Three, four weeks ago? Uh, league pass special, Boston at Cleveland. Boston is 7-3 and three in their last 10. And, and, David, I think they're trying to prove that they can eat at the big kids' table come May. So I think this Boston at Cleveland game could be a, a really fun game to watch. I'm taking Cleveland, though. <laughs> That's a good call, yeah. Yeah. National TV game, Clippers at Miami on Sunday. I'm going back to the Miami well here. Uh, at 2 p.m., it is the national TV special. I'm taking the Clippers in this game. 
the reason I think this one is interesting is because you could have Hassan Whiteside back. I don't know if he's going to come off the bench or or play a starting role, but I would like to see Hassan Whiteside go up against DeAndre. In their previous matchup this season, DeAndre had pneumonia. So he is pneumonia-free now, and Hassan Whiteside hopefully will get over this hip injury. That'd be a nice matchup to see. But yeah, I mean, you got two just defensive stalwart, stalwarts, and then DeAndre uh, can really drive to the basket, but Hassan Whiteside just a physical freak, and I just want to see these two guys go up against each other. And they're both big personalities. They're both strong, you know, forceful guys when they get out on the floor, and I think it could be a good one. Your picks. I'm going on a Sunday, league pass game. I'm taking the Celtics over the Kings. Uh, Celtics hosting the Kings, 1 o'clock Sunday. There's so much talk about Boogie, and everyone in Boston wants to trade for him. So that would be an interesting little matchup there. See what kind of reception he gets, maybe. Um, but I am taking the Celtics in that. That's that's a that's a nice game against two you know scrappy teams that are that are eh, about on the same level, mm-hmm. I'd say. Uh, national game. Anytime the Lakers are on the national TV, I'm jumping all over Why? that one. Oh yeah, taking the Pelicans. Hosting this should the be Lakers. about what people actually <laughs> want to watch, and I don't think anyone wants to watch the Lakers other than fans of Kobe want to watch how the Lakers on the, national TV. How in the heck are they still on because there's no flex that's that's the big thing in the nba they don't have flex scheduling and and i think that's a 9 30 game i mean they could have picked anyone to go in there i think this season has to be the breaking point for that they're about to go into collective bargaining well they've already done the tv deals though so it's it's just a weird thing well, your Thursday I don't think night ever going to have your flex Thursday, your Thursday, well, your Thursday night national games with the Knicks at the Pistons. Good lord! And then the Pelicans hosting the Lakers. Oh, again, good. I'm taking the Pelicans in that game. And finally, my Hornets lock. I think I'm going with Nick on this one. Hornets over the Wizards. Uh, feel good about that one. Don't feel great about the Cavs. And the Heat is always a crazy game. So I'm going with the Wizards. All right. for another three and zero week. I like that. Uh, there's not really time to talk about free agents. I'd like to give that a little more time. So let's, let's let that breathe. Yeah, let's tie a time for one last thing. Hornets after timeout stats. We we got these uh, from Twitter, and uh, you can go to the Twitter. You can go to our Twitter at Hive Talk Live and check this stat out for yourself. Clifford and the Hornets right now rank sixth overall in points per possession after timeouts. That's kind of surprising, David, because we've often we always- <laughs> criticized this team for inbounding. Uh, but, yeah, they sit at um, .917, I believe, uh, points per possession. So the points per possession for after timeouts, a couple of things I noticed from the stats. The the overall points per possession, not that high. It's not a it's not really a high percentage play in comparison to, say, a transition bucket because you still have to get in the half court in most of these situations. And some of these situations come with a lot less time on the shot clock, but it's also a small sample size too. You know, yeah. there's there aren't as as many of these plays as you know pick and roll and uh, isolation and all these other type of things that we break down in terms of point points per possession. But it's still nice to see the Hornets ranked top ten in anything when it comes to points per possession. Uh, the top five: Pelicans, Warriors, Clippers, Jazz, Mavericks. A lot of good teams there, and a lot of good coaches too. I think that's the thing that stands out to me because you'll reel off the bottom five here. And yeah, Rockets. And, and that really was Rockets McHale version, 76ers, Lakers, Timberwolves, and the Knicks. So hmm. a lot of bad teams. What does that tell you? 
It's a lot of bad teams. But you have to have players. I mean, you have to have players who can go out and, and need, make shots. Yeah. So there's that. But it I helps think... to have uh, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, yeah. <laughs> and Dirk Nowitzki. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it helps to have those players who can create a shot when when time's running down, and and it helps to have good coaches who can draw up. Because I don't I don't think that because you have to look at the, these possessions after timeouts aren't necessarily. A, you know, baseline out of bound type of set plays. I mean, sometimes it's just you get out to Kimba and then they run their regular half court right. set. So you know, I just think it's a, it's a situation where uh, Clifford is, I think, a good good offensive coach. And, I do think and it's an indication players. of 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 good coaching. Um, you know, and having your having your stuff together. I think you know. I mean, it's it's a good sign. You like you said, it's going to be ranked in the top ten in anything. Uh, I have to get to this question on Twitter. I know we're in overtime right now, but I can't answer this question because I did not have Nickelodeon when I was growing up, but I'm pretty sure, and you'll love this because I think it was kind of 90s era stuff. Uh, Kurt, our good friend who often provides us with the tastiest Hornets gifts, asks, is LeBron the modern-day Bobby Budnick from, I believe this is from Salute Your Shorts? <laughs> And I've got a picture of him up here, and you can Google Bobby Budnick if you'd like. I don't, I don't know what he's asking, but I, 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 you know, is there is there an as uh, an episode that maybe he's citing? Man, this is two shows in a row that a reference is just whizzing right by me. I, I know <laughs> well, it's the, good that we I, began on I one of these the, and I, ended on one. I know of these. the show. I know the the actor. I know that character, but no no particular storyline is jumping out to me. Well, well, did he, well, did he get his camp counselor fired? Uh, is that what he's alluding? Well, did he get maybe, his? Maybe, maybe that's a good. I'm glad you pulled that out right at the end, right at the buzzer. Was it? Was there a vicious capture the flag game that he well, he, he he brought in a free agent and they well, didn't properly use him? Well, man. <laughs> <laughs> on a special episode of <laughs> Salute Your Shorts. All right. That'll do it for us, friends. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Good question, though. Yeah, absolutely. Justin and I are back on Thursday at 6 p.m. with a recap of the Cavaliers game and sound from inside the locker room right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HiveTalkLive for live game updates and more. Go to AtTheHive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. For David, Nick, Justin, and producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing, all hail the teal and purple. Somewhere deep inside your mind, there's a place where dreams live. And now those dreams have the chance to come to life. Because USAA Life Insurance is sponsoring the Live Your Dream sweepstakes, where you could win $50,000. That's $50,000 to let those dreams out of your head and into your hands. Enter for a chance to win and view official rules at www.usaa.com slash life sweeps or call 1-800-531-LIFE. No purchase necessary. USAA Life Insurance Company, San Antonio, Texas, and in New York. by USAA Life Insurance Company, New York, Highland Falls, New York.